hairs on my body started standing on end. Silent. Nothing there. I fought to get back into my body. You are going to be a vital importance of helping us convince the masses. Type 471. Type 471. Bridge to the other world. Bridge to the other world. Welcome to Type 471. I'm Sam Kitchen. My guests today are two fascinating men in uh, the western part of Siskiyou County, California. I'll let them be as specific or as general as they'd like to be. Uh, they are Sasquatch experiencers. Uh, they have come across Sasquatch in the course of their activities, and um, they will fill us in on the rest. They're, they're fascinating guys. They've had some fascinating experiences. Red and H, welcome to Type 471. How you guys doing today? Pretty good, thank you. Just fine. Excellent. All right. Well, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be able to get in the same headspace as you guys so, uh, for, for our conversation. So I, I loaded up a bowl of, of each of the two kinds of uh, flour you guys gave me and mixed them together, and, and, uh, and I was smoking on that a little while ago. So I think I'm all set. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, uh, can you guys tell me a little bit about yourselves? Uh, what, what's your background? What, where are you guys from, et cetera? Uh, we're from Texas. Grew up down there chasing critters. Came up here gold mining, and that's where it all began. Cool. First, uh, tell me about your gold mining activities. Uh, it, it, it seems to me that it's taken you kind of all over the place, right? Yeah, we traveled all over the country looking for the best spot. And in our travels, somebody showed us a little vial of gold nuggets from Happy Camp. And so we landed here, been here ever since. So you guys are in, are in, are now in Happy Camp. Um, how did your experiences begin out there? What was what, what was the first Sasquatch related thing that started happening? Well, it's hard to say because they were on us a long time before we were on them. I blame bears for everything because I I don't believe in Bigfoot. That's just you know, I, monsters don't live out there. Everything's normal. I thought till I ran into them. Now there's monsters in the woods. It kind of changes your thoughts. Yeah, how did it change your thoughts exactly, Red? Well, when I was a baby, they said, you're the biggest, baddest, go get it. And you get out there and you find out you ain't. <laughs> right, right. H, do you feel the same way? or How, how do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, it, it kind of, uh, it, it, it warps your mind. You know, it, it, you don't know what to think after you see them. And, uh, you know, because, and actually... We've seen them several times, but never believed in it till we've seen them from like four foot. Then, you know, you, you can't deny that. Yeah, from four feet away, you can't really deny their existence. So, okay, you, so you don't know when the experiences started. I, I get that. But when did you two first become aware of the experiences? What was, what was the first experience? When I found the footprint. Mm -hmm. I think it was 2014 when I looked on my Facebook page, when I first started joining Facebook clubs and stuff, trying to figure it out. I think it was 2014 when we seen a real print that I walked past it and Red says, check this out, Sasquatch print. I went, because <laughs> I was already 15 foot past it and I walked back to it, look at it. And then we walked both ways and found one more. And these were deep tracks that, you know, well, we, we, we casted one, but we took like five pounds of uh, plaster out and wasted it all on one cast. 
but the print was already like 10 days old and you know but it's still pretty deep right uh how how deep are we talking and in what kind of what kind of soil a quarter in, a quarter inch in it's, a, it's, it's deeper now it was it was deep it was you i could have dropped you out of an airplane and you couldn't have made a print but it would have been slightly moist and that's what did it had a little moisture in the dust so he laid a print in it so this was like a hard clay, or it wasn't like a, a duffy area or anything like it that? It was in a hard part of a road. Gotcha, yeah. An old road. All right, so that was the, the first one. Um, so just uh, take me through uh, the, the, the experiences as they unfolded from there. Well, I, I found my footprint, and we took pictures of it and cast of it, and uh, Meldrum said, oh, that's nothing. He said a bird did it or something. So... I said, well, you know, I've seen the footprint myself. I knew it was a footprint. So I went behind where I seen the footprint and put a camera. And I got a picture of one. And that began it. Yeah, you got a picture of uh, of a Sasquatch, you mean? What what was in the picture? Just it sitting there eating. All right. Um, and you, you mentioned to me uh, an instance when you came directly upon a Sasquatch. Uh, what what happened there? Well, we were coming where we put the camera. and. Uh, Hadn't had a whole lot of action, but there's a lot of fruit. So I was going to gather a little bit of that and make some wine out of it. So I took my buckets and went up there, and there was no fruit. I mean, it was loaded with fruit, but there was nothing yellow. Everything was green. So I took a week off, came back. And when we came back, that's when the bird hit. About three-quarters of the way there, a bluebird came out and met us. And he was giving us shit the whole way. And uh. We finally got to the bush, and he went in, or actually landed on top of it, and started slapping the top of it with his wings and screaming. And that's when I realized he's up to something. And he doubled up, and he went down inside. And then he started slapping whatever was inside, and whatever was inside jumped up and just shook that bush like nobody's business. And uh, we were at the place where they come out when we walked up, and I knew we had him cut off. He had to go all the way through the center of that bush to get to the exit in the middle. And I had open ground, so I outran him, got in front of him, and uh, stood there and watched him come out that hole. That's when we got the four-foot look. Or my brother got the four-foot look. I got the two-foot. His face was right in my face. Wow. I got a pretty good look at the side of his face, but he wouldn't look me directly in the eye. He was scared just like me. We both had cooties, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. So what, what did he look like? Uh, he was white, and he was one hand on the ground. He was tall as me already. And then uh, when he turned and looked me in the eye with one eye, just barely looked me in the eye, he raised his hand over his head up above me, and I thought he was thinking to give me a high five in the back. But instead, he just covered up his head, brought up his other hand off the ground and covered his head. That's when he finally straightened his legs and stood up. But he never stretched his body up. He kept his body bent down. But his butt was right in my face when I'm standing. So that, he was twice my height. Easily twice. My, my, my nose was right in his butt crack. And he took off and took three steps. And then he spun that big circle I showed you on the camera. Yeah. So, so that, that pivot mark that you showed me in the picture, that was from that same instance correct actually no it was just the same same scenario that's the first time we've seen that pivot i've seen the pivot and then i had a picture of it and i backtracked to the picture and it's 
they were the same. So, no, I didn't get a picture of that one. It was in harder ground. It didn't really dig in, but it did make the circle. Yeah, good. Thank you for clarifying that. That that pivot is very important. Uh, somebody else on this show just recently mentioned a similar pivot to me. The parallels there are just my own opinion. I'm not speaking for... I, I've seen five or six of those before I finally took a picture of one, because I blame the bear. But I couldn't figure what the hell a bear would do making a circle. But I blamed him every time. I always do. You got to prove otherwise to me or I don't believe it. Right. I'm still I'm still in doubt. <laughs> Even though he got in my face. My brain don't want to accept it. I can appreciate that. Uh so th- th- that's an interesting phenomenon there. H do you do you feel the same way? Yeah, you know, it it kind of I, I was like in shock for 2 weeks after that. And then, and it, it just like nightmares every night. And then all of a sudden you you kind of realize you, you know you get over it, but man, it's traumatizing. Yeah. When, the first time we spoke, you mentioned some things that could just, it, you used the words, it could make you cry or something very similar like that. Like, like you mentioned like a severe kind of a shock and, and, and I can, you know, I can definitely see where you're coming from with that because I mean, my gosh, to, to have this kind of experience where you just come upon them like that and you're just so close to them, I can, I can see that. Uh, but it, it's, it seems that you guys have had a number of experiences like that. What's, what's another one of those experiences that just completely disturbed you? Mm, I don't know about disturbing me. I enjoy it all. I mean, it doesn't scare me. Never has yet. It just astonishes me. <laughs> It's beyond my belief. It's something I wasn't brought up to. It changes your base. And that's the part that disturbed me was the base change. Now I know, and I accept it, but, you know, I'm still interested. Makes me want to go look more. Yeah. I'm still hurt. We just went out. We just got back from going out. Yeah, and you're still sore from that. What What did you guys discover during your most recent outing? Uh, Juvenile footprints and eating places where they sit and eat. The fresher the eating, the closer you are. And and was this in your your same spot? Uh, we ain't never got there, but we're shooting at it. This is just on the way. This is up about 3,000 foot up a mountain, and we haven't really got up there yet. We make it halfway, and, and we got to come back down, too, so we get so tired. And our legs are sore in hell. I mean, from, from my knee up to my waist, I'm sore, <laughs> you know, from climbing uphill. And you get all the way up there, and you realize you're standing on noodles, and you got to get home. <laughs> <laughs> For and, sure. And we don't want to stay out after dark is out of the question. We're not, you know, I'm not going to stay out there after dark. They're sneaky enough in the daytime. Put them in the dark, and and you might as well be sitting in his lap. And we walked that one up at we walked that one up at twelve o'clock. So yeah, they're, they're not they're nocturnal. They're sleeping the day. You got to sneak up on them. Keep the wind in your face, and keep your voice down, and you you'll run into one. None of that beating on trees, screaming and hollering. All you're doing is running them off. Mm, yeah, that's a that's a good tip. That's a really good point. Describe some of their daytime activities that you've seen them doing. Sitting against a big tree, eating. Mostly what they do all the time. We've been messing with them for 12 years, 14 years, whatever, and uh, we've only had like a, a four-second visual where we actually seen one in the face. But then whenever we came to the, the claim and found them three prints, it was like uh, the whole the whole claim was dominated by footprints. Once you got your eyes adjusted to seeing it, the, the sand, every part of the sand was full of trackways. And the road we, we found the print on, once we adjusted our eyes, we could see dust prints. And you look for the five toes, 
And we can see that five toes going up the road, down the road. And they did it for like 30 days at least. That's how long the, the fruit was ripe. And because it's thereafter, the grapes, uh, the figs, the blackberries, the madrone berries, uh, mantanita berries, they're just solid vegetarian at this time of the year. In the winter, they may have to harvest meat, but there's so much to eat at this time of year. They just they forage. That's all they do is forage. That's their that's what their occupation is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, feeding a a body that big is a full time job. So you 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 mentioned something to me that I found very interesting. You 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 mentioned uh, uh, an interesting use of styrofoam. You you saw them using styrofoam in an interesting way. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, they follow the miners around and dig through their stuff and they never steal anything they just dig through your stuff and uh we used to come we didn't stay there so we would come in and the miners would be crying that their stuff had been gone through want enough kids were doing it and we never made nothing of it because we never knew what was going on we hadn't found a footprint yet and they closed the river so everybody left nobody mines anymore and so that's when we went up the mountain to mine and that's when we found them when we left the river and went up. When when you encountered them, didn't you, uh, you, you saw them, or, or you had seen, what, you saw where they had been uh, using pieces of styrofoam as, as padding? To oh, yeah, I forgot about that. They were eating the fruit, and they go inside the tree to eat. They don't eat it from the outside. That's how come you don't ever see them. They are always in the bush. And so they take that foam inside, and they scatter it around, and they use it for an elbow prop. They'd sit on their ass, lay on their ass, elbow on the ground, and they can reach way high. And they just sit there and eat on their elbow. Hmm. You got a big old elbow print in the foam where they've wore that foam out. And that that's one of the things I gift them with. I give them more foam. Ah. And they like it. They love something soft. Oh, excellent. Well, that's a, that's a good tip. You know, right now I'm actually transitioning from living in my apartment to living in a in a travel trailer. I'm going to be full time squatching, and that's uh, that is and that is a a very useful tip to give them something soft. I'm going to keep that in mind. So, uh, so what 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 kind of gifting do you do exactly? What's uh, what's your other what what else is in your gifting process? Well, I just gave them that because I seen them using it. I knew they were using it for what they were using it for, so I gave them some more. Well, and what I gave them was old life jackets. I had an old, out-of-date life jacket, a couple of them, and I threw them in there. And they just took them to pieces and laid it all in their bed and made the comfy stuff out of it. They like it. But then the bear comes along and just destroys everything. But, you know, that's their friend, I guess. Yeah, speaking of which, you, you mentioned a, a symbiotic relationship that you had noticed uh, between one of them and a bear, and you also noticed a, another kind of relationship. I'd, I'd like to hear about those. Well, the bear, I've seen the babies around the bear in the pictures, so I know they're pretty pretty well set with the bear. Now, which, which other one did I tell you about? Oh, the birds. That bird was uh, symbiotic with, the, with them because they went in. It distinctly hit us at the head of the trail and acted like it was caring for its babies. You know, they were flop on the ground and act stupid. Right. Well, that's the kind of stuff he was doing all the way to that bush. And then he went in and woke him up. So, you know, there was something definitely going on between him and him. And the bush we're talking about is uh, it's trees that grow up, and then they take a snow load. And plus, they go to the south to get the sun. And when you get the snow load, they, they tip over to the ground. And then the next year, a tree grows behind it, same place, and falls over it. So you got 
90 years of trees on top of each other, and then there's a hollow space under it. And there's like, there's, it's big enough for there's two, maybe three dens under that hollow space. And we've seen bears sleeping in it all the time with our camera. Then we moved the camera to the back of the den. We didn't have it in the front, and we were sneaking up on the den, and that's when we woke up. The, it, it's not a juvenile Bigfoot. His dad just kicked him out of the tribe. He just got sexually mature, so he's got nobody to look out for him. So it was just us walking up on him while he was sleeping. The, the, the Blue Jay was his only friend right then. And uh, it's, this is the white one you're referring to? Yep. All right. Yeah, you you had also mentioned a uh, well. Well, before I get to that, um, the the other symbiotic relationship I was referring to was uh, you you had noticed it that one of them had had a relationship with a large canine. Oh yeah, that was in the tracks. We never actually saw the canine, but the tracks were always with the. You'd see the Bigfoot tracks and the canine tracks, tracking across the top of the mountain. And we did find a skeleton. And then there was some food source with the skeleton, but the trees weren't there to drop the food source. So it was picked up and brought to the skeleton. And it looked like he had five or six meals there with his old buddy. You know, because I think, you know, they, they like babies. So puppies, who don't like puppies, you know? So th- these this group got puppies. Now, we, we figured the one we got close to, they did the same thing with a bear cub. And they raised them from, from, you know, small. and then. Uh, he became their pet because they, ne- they were never. We thought that's why we thought they were bears because there was bear track every time, and then you had to get your eyes set to see the track between the track because the bear track and the bigfoot they look a lot alike. Yeah, they they certainly can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and as for uh, this this art this fully articulated uh, skeleton that you found, uh, can you tell me more about that? It's just a deer skeleton. It's a, it's the only skeleton we've ever seen on this claim and. Shoot, almost 15 years, 16 years. It's, it's just the one skeleton we've ever found, and the insects ate the whole thing. And you're talking about the dog. Oh, you're talking about the dog or the, the deer? Do- yeah, the dog. Well, you know, see, the, the, it was uh, sitting there, and the, and the head wasn't articulated on it. But, uh, you know, it was pretty much together right in that one spot, every bone. It wasn't nothing that ate it other than uh, the insects and stuff. But then a landslide happened. It, it's right on the road, and the road's always got a cliffside, and the cliff fell over it. So it's it's underneath the landslide right now. And in fact, the road do we go to to our the the bushes is gone with the landslide. You can't go down the road no more. So nobody can get to the park unless you walk. The Bigfoots like it a whole lot better now. Nobody can get there. They got their privacy. That's how we caught that one sleeping because the landslide had happened, and and then you couldn't mine gold no more. So no gold miners was there. No campers had been there for years. And then we snuck in there one day in the middle of the day and woke them up. Surprise the heck out of them. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Yeah. And and you mentioned, uh, so there's that, the, the, the white one is a juve, or a, a young, sexually mature adult male, correct? Yep. Yeah, he's about 500 pounders or more. Okay. And you mentioned a big black one that, that's always beating on him. Is is that the dad? Who Who's the big black one? That's what I figure. It's just the dad. I think it's the uh, father of the one I showed you with the kids. Remember I showed you the mother with all the kids around her? Right. At four of them, I think that's he's a, that's he's the daddy. How how do you know? Oh, okay, so you've seen him in the pictures, right? Well, anytime you see one, they're all there. They're just hiding. You can't just find one, except for like I said, that one they threw out. When the family's there, when the, the kids are there, you're gonna find daddy. He's in the bush too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm asking how you saw him. Like, how do you know he's a big black Sasquatch? My camera. Okay. Yeah. 
that nighttime fight we seen, it's got the big black one, and he's he's so big that he has to be the big footprint we see. So you know, the the biggest giant footprint is the biggest one in the camera, and, and he's he sticks out of our camera. He's at least thirteen foot tall, maybe a little taller, and he that's the giant footprint. And then the one we see that's the white one, he's like ten foot tall, and his the, his footprint is like twenty two inches, and uh, then his dad, no, his footprint is sixteen plus, and then his dad is twenty two. So and then. So we seen even a bigger one, but we, I think we couldn't get a measurement on it because we didn't have nothing with us. <laughs> but it's enough to make you get sick at your stomach when you see it. Your stomach just flips upside down and you go, oh, not happening. The problem is they're watching you. And you we didn't realize they were watching us when we were looking at all the footprints and stuff. We thought we were just following, looking at footprints. But no, they get there, they're there looking at you, hiding. Yeah, they are always watching you. When you're when you're in their territory, they are always watching you. Well, I was taught that it's my territory. <laughs> Somebody lied to me. Yeah, that's true. It turns your uh, your worldview upside down, doesn't it? Yeah, it made me a lot less of a camper. Yeah, yeah. You don't like going out after dark anymore into the into the wild areas, do you? We used to not fear nothing. We used to sleep out there when we were kids. Yep, no guns, no nothing. <laughs> Just take some food, and then we get a food stolen. <laughs> but do you, do you think they were the Sasquatches were stealing your your food? You know, before you knew they existed. Uh, that, well, I don't know, man. We were, I was pretty little back then. Something waded in and stole our stuff, and never tore up nothing. He opened up the ice chest, and then stole a dozen eggs and a pack of bacon, and then closed the ice chest. And, it, and it's hard for a bear to carry a dozen eggs. And so, you know, we were, we were up there where you couldn't see a light, and our dad took us up to a logging landing up on top of a mountain. There was no civilization anywhere. And something came in and robbed our ice chest and closed it. And the bear, you know, he can't carry a dozen eggs, and he ain't going to close the ice chest. <laughs> and he might have he messed with us, too. Whatever it did, it snuck right in between our sleeping bags and pulled it off. I watched it come through. It stood on its hind end and walked through. I was just a little fart, but I know it scared me. I thought, I, you know, all I could think it was bear. But it never, ever bent over, and I just walked in, grabbed what it wanted, and walked out. That's incredible. And you, and you say you saw this, Red? Yep. I was just a little bitty fart. But I was sitting there sleeping, looking at it. Not sleeping, but I seen it. What part of Texas was this in? This wasn't Texas. This was Oregon. Our dad took us to Oregon when we were little kids to live. Gotcha. Okay. So, uh, well, then it could have been anywhere in Oregon. Uh, Siskiyou. Yeah, I don't know. I can't right outside it. of Florence, Oregon. There you go. Florence was on the coast, and we were 30 miles inland from Florence. Right. Definitely squatchy territory. Wow. And, uh, and H, you told me about uh, a, a Sasquatch experience in Montana. Yeah. Uh, I'd heard that they were there. We were still hunting gold. And then uh, I went out by myself, and something broke a huge limb. Just pow. And then came towards me and broke another one. And then, so I started backing up, and then it, it would break the limb off, then break the limb itself and use it like a bat break it on the tree, and it would sound like the bat would blow up, Then he'd break another limb, and he chased me at least a mile. I ran back to the RV. All I had was a twenty-two pistol, so I wasn't going to stay around. And, yeah, it, it definitely put the fear in me. And, and, and I was already warned that he was there, so I kind of knew what it was. Yeah, and you know what? Somebody else mentioned to me that uh, the, the tree knocking that was so hard that it actually fractured the, the the limb into splinters, just like you're describing right now. I've 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 heard of that before. That is uh, quite a display of power. Yeah, and these were madrone trees that he was doing it to. And when we got there, we walked out into it, and every madrone tree had the limbs tore off, 
like 10 foot high, higher you could reach up. There was the limbs was all gone off of every tree and just laying right under the tree. There was th thousands of elk in that little valley and we thought the elk was doing it, fighting the trees. But then after my little adventure there, I kind of believe the Bigfoot was tearing every tree up. Let's return to the uh, the timeline that we're establishing. So you, the first incident was was around 2014 in the Happy Camp area, and then um, you you experienced the the bird thing, and then uh, what what were the experiences as they unfolded from from that early point? Well, after we did all that, we backtracked them and found where they slept, and we looked through that for a while, and then we went up from that, and that's when he threw the big rock at us. We didn't even know they were there then. You know, we thought we were just looking at past stuff, not present. And he fired that big rock, and that's kind of alerted us that we were getting close. And so after that, then we went to Google and started chasing them. And that's what we've been doing ever since, following them. Where we're at, it's like it's not trees all over. It's trees where it's wet, and where it's not super wet, there's no trees. So they can't really go out in there. So all you have to do is look at the canopies and find the greenest canopy, and you'll find out where they live, where their trails are, where the den is. It's all under the canopies. Right. Yeah. That that's uh. You can narrow down in. You can narrow in on their on their routes of travel just by looking at the yep. vegetation. And the trails are well marked. Well marked. I mean, it if, you know what if you know what you're looking for, their house is too. If you take a machete with you, you don't need it. You're not going to need a machete. If you're busting brush, you're not following a Bigfoot. So forget that machete. Trails are there. And and the house, Red? Yeah, you just got to know what you're looking for when you're looking at the, at the, at the terrain. So what are we looking for? Unnatural. You Up, know, uphill, too. Everything's uphill. It'll never be right on the creek. It's always 100 yards off or more. When you look uphill and you're straight up for 150 yards and you go, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. And that's that's where their house is going to be, right? Well, we yeah. took we went up uh, yesterday, or yeah, we went up a couple of days ago, like we were still sore from. And I looked up the hill, and I seen this thing look like a castle out of bedrock. And I said, "Dang it, man! If that wasn't uphill," and the red said, "Damn it, I'm going!" And he took off uphill. I stayed at the bottom, and that's when he got the pictures of all the pine cones being ate in the big old feeding spot, because they can sit up there and, and observe the world, and nobody can see them, nobody can mess with them unless they want to climb uphill, and it ain't easy. And they'll just walk off and leave you. Yeah, so either way, they have uh, their their strategy. I mean, either way, you can't get to them. And uh, speaking of eating and everything that goes along with it, you mentioned, uh, H, you mentioned before th their poop just being extremely light. Uh, can, you, can you tell me about that, about the pine cones and, uh, and, the, and the light poop? Yeah, it, it, it's like balsa wood. It's so light. And, and I think they do eat the fibers of the pine tree, too, because they eat the pine cones. And uh, I think there's male pine cones and female pine cones, and I think one of them is medicinal. And so they eat both of them, and then they they they, they live they live in the pine needles. That's what they make their nest out of. So you know that's why we we've, we've never had an odor from the Bigfoot, and we like I said we've been within a couple feet of them. And then whenever we've seen them and, and found their den, stick my nose right down in the bottom where they sleep and just and nothing. I mean because I guess pine saw you know they just ours don't have an odor at all. I don't know if they're super clean, but hmm. something's going on. I can't I can't believe how how, how dirty them things must be when they smell like a skunk or rotten meat, you know? I mean, what's the deal? You, you ain't sneaking up on an animal smelling that strong either. 
Yeah, that's true. Some people think that that's a uh, that's a response. It, it's something that they secrete at, at certain times um, as as kind of a response to a threat. Like it's not like well, they always stink, but they just stink sometimes. Well, I think if that could have happened, why do would have squared me? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But maybe he was. Maybe he didn't really see you as a threat. Maybe he was just startled because because it, it sounds to me like he just wanted to get the hell out of there. He was scared shitless. Yeah. Yeah, you can see the fear in his eyes, man. He just panic city. Boom, gone. He three steps and he covered thirty feet. Wow. Shit. And and that's bent over. He never straightened up. When his hands on the back of his head, he covered that distance like that. Wow. And then he made that weird ass circle when he turned the corner. That's incredible. Why do you think he was so scared? Well his dad just got through whooping his butt and kicking him out of the tribe so he was by himself with no security. Nobody watching. He he's the only one we got to mess with now because uh, I think it was the gap fire blew through there and just burned everything up. So the food sources is gone, except for in the real wet spots, the fire wouldn't burn it. So there's still some food there, but it 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 won't hold as many feet as it used to after that fire. But you know the force comes back fast. There's a family of six. We were tracking a family of six, and they took off when the fire hit. And we, had, we haven't found their nest site again. They hadn't come back to the original site, but we're still looking for their nest again. And the thing is, when we found all that stuff, we were still gold miners. We didn't own a camera. We did not own one camera. And you never take a picture of your gold anyway, you know, so we didn't need no camera. Then all of a sudden now we got $5,000 worth of cameras, but we are waiting for them to come back. We need some cell phone coverage here too, because then we can put out them cameras that can call you and say, hey, check this out. No kidding, yeah. And uh, as as far as them coming back after a fire, I'm I'm glad you said that because uh, because in in the past couple of years, first of all, I was living in in Klamath River uh, at the time of the Stratton fire. Uh, for those who don't know, Klamath River is just a little bit east of the area in question. Uh, so I was living near there, and and the Stratton fire was going on, and it was really intense. And I was really wondering about the Sasquatch situation because right where the Stratton fire was burning is is a known area of huge Sasquatch uh, population concentration. So, I mean, the, the, the Stratton fire was burning right through prime Sasquatch territory, and I was wondering what was happening to the population during the Stratton fire and after. And um, I've learned in the past year that uh, after a fire, the Sasquatch population, surprisingly, seems to at least in part, come back shortly after the fire. I've known this to, ha- to happen uh, in the Paradise Campfire, where I lost my own home. And, uh, and uh, I've, I've seen examples of this or some suggestion of this uh, as far as the Stratton fire is concerned as well. So, I mean, it, there, it's, it's encouraging. There is some suggestion that they do come back fairly quickly. So I'm, I'm curious to see if you actually do discover any uh, new signs of habitation around the Stratton fire. Yeah, they're still coming back already. They've been coming back ever since. They came back right after, just not as thick and heavy as they were. But they're still coming back. My camera's still popping them. Great. Yeah, and I think it's awesome that you guys are out there squatching now. I mean, you are miners turned squatchers, and I think that is incredible. I love that. Well, they kicked us out of the river. You can't dredge here no more. And that was eight years ago, ten years ago. And then at about the same time, we we decided we we figured out that Bigfoot was there. So we decided to hang around and mess with him. Otherwise, we'd be in another state gold mining. It it sounds to me like Sasquatch is more valuable to you than gold, and I applaud that. That's more fun. Yeah. A lot less back breaking digging. That's true. I can definitely see. I can see that. 
Um, and I have uh, some thermal cameras that are on the way to me right now. And uh, I would love to come out there and, you know, use the, the thermal cameras. Of course, you guys don't like going out at nighttime, though. We can show you where it's at, but you can hang out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stake you out. Yeah. We've seen guys camping there. We didn't tell them what was there, but, you know, they don't ever get messed with. They, actually, they try to hide. They don't want nobody to know they're there. Yeah, you, you wouldn't know it unless we told you what to look for and where to look. Now that we can read their sign, we know when they're around. It's not that you see them. You know they're there. Yeah, you got to know what you're looking for to see them. They don't just stand up and go, here I am, ever. So uh, what would we look for in order to encounter them? Uh, them pine cones I've been telling you about. Mm-hmm. The one I gave you. Yep. You're looking for that. Piles of them. And I'm not talking one or two. I'm talking piles of them. Yeah, it looks just like corn on the copper. It looks just like, like somebody a... dumped a wheelbarrow and disintegrated it. Yeah, corn on the cob is a good description because that's the way the, the crook Indians do it too. They roast them things and eat the, eat the cob too, just like the Bigfoot. That's how this valley, they call it Side Valley because it's the faraway valley. And the Crook Indians used to hike here. at the. I think it's like September, and right about that time, you harvest your pine cones, get it ready for the winter. So they, they would travel to the faraway valley and get, do their harvesting. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. A lot of history here. Oh, there is. There's a ton of history. It's a very old place, both, you know, in terms of western settlement european settlements and and of course before that uh the the uh the native history in this area goes back you know who knows they claim they they claim something bad's gonna happen if you ever see them so i guess we're in for trouble well are you saying that the karuk say that uh something bad is going to happen if you see a sasquatch it's an indian thing yep well well some some tribes say that others don't uh so i in my in my experience uh the the, the Karuk certainly revere the Sasquatch. Um, I haven't heard of the Karuk saying any uh, that 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 anything bad would happen, though. And I'm, I'm always weird about them kind of beliefs anyway. You know, I, I believe what I can see, feel, touch. And a lot of times, you know, I don't believe that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden it comes true. Holy smoke. Well, the, the Karuks, they call them the friend of the forest. But that don't necessarily mean you're a friend. <laughs> yeah. They're friends of the forest, not you. Not you. And from what we've seen, they love all the animals. Like I said, they they, they love puppies or whatever. They like because I think maybe one of them lost a baby or something and, and grabbed a puppy and, and instead to hug. And you know that's how they got grew from there. They got their pets. And then you know the Klamath River it runs all the way to where the Patterson Gimblefoot was. Bluff Creek feeds the Klamath River, so it's the key to Bigfoot everywhere. I mean, it's you know there's I don't know how many two hundred three hundred miles of Bigfoot country right on the Klamath River. Every creek that feeds the Klamath River is going to have a family on it. They love that water, that clean water that feeds from the creek. I mean, you can't get no better water. And then every time we go up a creek, we can read the creek and there's sign. There's well-worn trails. You can follow the trails. If the water is valuable to them more than the food. Yeah, that, that creek water, that's got to be the best water there is. Well, that's what made us That's what made us meet them. We messed up their creek and they came and threw us out of it. They didn't enjoy us being in their creek. We were dredging above their, their their home site, and then I guess we were putting exhaust into the water or whatever, and they, they made the water taste a little funny, and they came and flipped our dreads upside down in the creek. Oh, they did? Wow. Was this before you were aware of their existence? Was this before you had... You know, well, I can't remember. Was we chasing them already? Nope. Dog ran out. dog was we chasing thought, them. We thought he was after a bear. Our dog was after him. We still <laughs> blamed the bear on it, because, well, you know, they had, a, they had a pet bear, and he chewed on our plastic, so... 
there was round holes in it. So we claimed the bear, but the bear couldn't have done it. He couldn't have flipped our dredge upside down. He could have drug it around, picked up one side a little bit. But this thing, you know, it's wider than a pickup. So he, he, the bear ain't going to flip it over. And then it wasn't drug anyway. It was picked straight up in the air and flipped upside down and put back in the same spot. With no drag at all. Something was able to lift it up in the air higher than it was wide. And was this, uh, are these gas or diesel powered? Gas. And, 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 you know, it's one of the things they want. You got, we got a pan under to catch anything, any oil that drips anywhere. You got to be super clean. But still, I think just the exhaust blowing across their water. Or blowing the mud out. Yeah, making it muddy too. We was putting silt into the creek. Whatever we was doing, they didn't like it. They came up and attacked our dredge. <laughs> a bit of holes in the plastic, you know. We think the Bigfoot sicked his bear on it, plus he flipped it upside down. The bear chewed on it. And we had a, we had a little bit to fix. But shortly after that, the whole family was there. They were actually they that was them passing by when they beat our dredge up. They were heading for their sleeping area. When they threw a rock at us, it was the same spot we was tracking them, and and that's how we knew they were below us. And then we tracked. All of a sudden, we got to where the dredge was almost flipped upside down, and that's when they threw the rock. We said, "Get out of here." We were pushing them out of the valley. We were walking up the valley, and they were having to run in front of us, and they got tired of it. They said, "Quit pushing." Yeah, they they pushed back. A lot of times, what you'll notice when you're cruising those trails we're talking about that ain't blocked. They're just so easy to walk. When you come to where they're blocked, they blocked it. You're getting close. So you can't you can't let the block deter you. Push through it. And and how did they block it exactly? Break big tree limbs and big chunks of tree and stuff it in a cut that cuts to their house. Their house is usually a trail that's hard to get to and narrow and steep. And they'll stick sticks down in that trail to block you from being able to come up it. He did it right in front of us. We heard him break it. We heard him stuffing it. And we got there, and it was stuffed. And that's where we were telling you about. We got on top, and they had a shitter up there where he was sitting in it. Had a tree growing and a pork where he sat in it. A lot of weird stuff in that area. That's where their house is, back way back there. That was the closest we've ever got, and it liked to kill us. You've got the spot. You found it. You found their lair. You know where they are. They're, they're actually in every valley, because we went to the valley to the left of us. We went to the right and found and found that big one. Then we went to the left, and uh, we found a, a road going to an old mine, and we walked halfway up there, and uh, we ran out of energy about halfway, or I did. And I got up there, and then we we turned and looked, and up in a pine tree was a treehouse, a removable treehouse. I guess it was a, a playpen for the babies because it had sides on it about 12 inches high. And we looked at it, and it was about 14 foot up in the pine tree, and we said, damn, that's the largest eagle nest we've ever seen. And we had our mining equipment with us, so we went back down, drove home, and the next day we came back with a camera. Nothing in the tree. They took it. And and so we know they're there, and that's a hard road to get up. But we haven't been to the end of it yet. The whole mountain range has got them. They're in it. What what did this treehouse look like exactly? It was in, with the limbs broken off about, I don't know how long, and then they wove it. You could, it, there was on the side it was stuck up in the air so you could be in there without being seen and then the, the, it was woven they like to weave they, they do weave trees together instead of making a tree structure we've seen where they took the little trees and, and wove them like you braid your hair they just and you could tell it wasn't natural the trees didn't grow like that there's the little trees just woven together that is incredible H, you, you had told me about uh, a time when you scared a whole bunch of them away with a drone What what happened there? Well, we, we we seen where that big one was, and, and we went up on there, and we found where he was eating and everything. We found a whole lot of sign, and it was late in the year, and when the snow hits, we can't get out there. It's closed during the winter. So then 
w- the next year, we was really anxious to get out there. We show up, and there's a there's a bunch of uh, Hmong pot growers putting their plants in, and they didn't want us out there. And it is private property, but we do know the owner. He's, so, you know, it, we, they were not likely to get thrown out, but they asked us to leave. So I took my drone and buzzed them, got a bunch of pictures of them, and I, I wanted them to think maybe I was going to turn them in and they'd leave. It didn't work, but, you know, I, I buzzed the heck out of them with my drone real low. It's, and it's so loud that it freaked out. We, we figured, I didn't, we didn't count them, but we seen like 30 trackways going up the cliff side of the road about five miles north. Because they all ran north from the river. And then we drove that road. And there was 30 bipedal trackways going straight up the cliffs. And, and there was like three bear tracks. There was, you could tell the, the footprint going up. And then and none, none of them used the same trail. Every one of them used a different spot. They were just running. And it was every size you can imagine. Babies to big. I think it was probably six families at least. You know, we figured five to six to the family. So that was probably five families running. Yeah, we did that low flight up the valley and ran them out. So they just scattered when they saw the drone or when they heard it coming or something. Well, it's kind of fun to fly. I get in the valley and get low in the valley and I can see both sides and I can just straight down the valley. And it's kind of fun. And that's what I was doing. And I didn't realize I was freaking them out because it's a noisy thing and they're not used to it. That's the first time they ever heard it. Nobody's ever floated a drone like that out there. Do you happen to have the footage of the of the footprints that you found? Uh, yeah, we should. Yeah, we got we got pretty. We got a few pictures of our footprints. Right. I mean, uh, the do you still have the footage where you where they got scared off by the drone? Is, is what uh, I mean. Nah, there was no footage of the the Bigfoots. It was the footage would have been the of the growers. The footprints running up the cliff. And the and the next day we went over to the to to next road over because we were going to try looking over there, looking for some trails. And that's when we seen all the trackways. Oh, I got you. I got you. Okay. Yeah, I thought you were, I, I was asking if you had uh, drone footage of the, the footprints, but I see now you're, you, because you, you saw the, the footprints yeah. the next day. I got you. You guys had told me about some really weird stuff. Now, there's there's one thing that I want to ask you about. Um, the, the juvenile prints that seem to have some sort of thing sticking out the back of the print. I want to hear about that. It's pretty hard to explain. You know, even on the big one, there's something in the back. We showed you that, I think, that they got a thing on the back for going downhill. And it's that before it turns mature and turns into the pad. When they get completely mature, it turns into a pad in the back for walking. When they're young, it looks like a, I don't know, it looks almost like a stinger to me. Just a weird-looking three-pronged thing sticking out their heel. Like a backwards rooster claw. (laughs) Yep. And so, it's, it when and on that baby, it, it looked so sharp. It was needle sharp, but then it's, it's not that sharp on the bigger ones. But it's still it, it, what it looks like to me is something they could use for sex. You know, you, you hang on gadget, hang on for a ride. It's it's. I don't think it's a. It, well, actually, if they were kickboxes, <laughs> you wouldn't want that in, in the either. But and 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 they seem kind of friendly. Like like the crooks call them the friends of the forest. And we'd never seen them where there's any evidence they eat an animal or they treat an animal mean. And the crooks have seen them. They got tails of a feeding deer. They come up on the scene and there's a mother with some young and they're all pulling grass and feeding deer. So, you know, it's this Bigfoot here, he's pretty weird. Of course, you know, if he was going to kick your butt, he would. He don't got no feelings for you. Yeah. The only thing stopping him is him. But they do seem to like other animals. They they choose to be peaceful unless they are forced to not be peaceful is the way I kind of see it. Well, they live with the campers. We was asking the campers. They were asking us as kids out here and stuff. It was almost six years this went on with, without never knowing they were there. 
And then the campers would have been gone for a couple of years before we found them and figured out what was going on the whole time. Because they don't make a noise. They're totally quiet. I mean, there's livestock all over this valley here, and none of them ever gets killed by the foot. Because whenever one dies, they put a camera out, and you see the cougar come in. It's always a cougar. Yeah, there's goats. There's everything around here, and nothing gets bothered. I'm still trying to figure out the, the stinger thing on the back of the heel. Like I said, it's, it's, it's for downhill. They can downhill like nobody's business. It was, it was kind of weird because, you know, we, we've never, you never see a track with this on it, but then we've seen a thousand of them with it on it, so we can't deny it. But, you know, it's something you go, dang, it, it's just, that's, that's unheard of. Oddball. That's what made Meldrum go crazy. We got a big-ass track with three things sticking out the back of it. Not Bigfoot, but, you know, it's a Bigfoot. It's a track. What is, what is a, what, what definition is there a Bigfoot? You see a giant track and you go, oh, that's Bigfoot. You can't argue with that. There's a giant footprint. And you got the cone head. Hey, can't deny it. We've got plenty of pictures of it, but we just don't put them out. So how do you envision this stinger being part of their body? Like, like how does it work? Does it come out from well, the back of their... I don't really their... think it's a stinger. I think it's just an appendage that has to wear down to the point of looking like a pad. Because when it's over with, it looks like three pads in the back. Now, that stinger thing might be up higher where it don't touch the ground no more. But there's definitely three things on the back of their footprint. Yeah, you, some people say three toes in the back. It's what it kind of looks like. It's three toes in the back on a full-grown one. You see five in the front and three in the back. You know, hmm. Makes you think of a giant maple leaf or something. Yeah. Makes you think of something weird. That is something weird. Uh, have you guys come across in, any other reports of people finding something like this? No. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't think I've heard of anything like that either. It does ring some kind of a bell somewhere in my mind, but I can't figure out what uh, what it reminds me of. But, well, it's, it's bizarre, and I want to know what the hell the, the deal is with that. Yeah, well, next time we get a good footprint, we're going to cast it. That's what we're doing now is chasing prints. Good. Excellent. We're, we're waiting for the rain. As soon as the rain hits, we'll be out there again. Well, if you can get a cast of this uh, thing on the back of their foot, that I would love that. I would love to see that. I, I can't wait for that. So, And you guys said that you've, you've experienced some other strange things out there, some other paranormal stuff that you also don't believe in, but you have experienced nonetheless. Uh, tell me some about some of that stuff. Uh, that was just that weird smoke comes in in a tube, just like a tube of smoke. Come in and it splits in half, makes two tubes, and shit starts coming out the end of it. It's just a weird game camera picture. All of a sudden, you know, you see a cylinder flying through the air with smoke behind it in a game cam picture. And, you know, we're not there. We don't know what's going on. And it's pretty weird. We don't we don't believe in ghosts or nothing. We don't think that Bigfoot can, is abnormal, you know. He's, he's a, like an animal. He's an animal. He's just like us as far as being an animal. DNA, he loves his family. But whatever that light is, it's kind of weird. It could just be, you know, I don't know. It's a digital camera, so, you know, they, they say they pick up stuff. Well, you saw the picture of that weird smoke. Yeah. Two, two cigarette-looking jobs walking out of it. What's your opinion of that? <laughs> right. Well, right. Well, I, I don't know what to say about it. Yeah, to me, um, the, the, the smoke and the cigarette things that you're referring to, those, those look like lens flares and the, the movement of light um, as, it, as it touched the, the camera lens. Um, yeah, and weird curvy smoke. I don't think your thing could make that. 
No, you're right. You're right. That uh, that I don't know exactly what that was, but I but I noticed that it was in the exact same spot in more than one picture. So what um whatever it was, it's, it's some kind of stationary object. It looked like to me, it might have been part of a cobweb or something like that. I mean, who it, knows? It was there for a half hour. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I I can't say what the 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 tube of smoke was, but uh, the the other things it, it looked to me like that was uh, you know just kind of the way light interacts with a camera lens sometimes, and it does kind of funny stuff like that. That that's my opinion of of those particular pictures. But uh, have you guys seen anything out in the woods with your naked eye, like weird lights floating around or anything like that? Nope, all game camera. We don't go out there at night. <laughs> you go to see it with daylight, and you know no lights flying around during the day. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And we look through the camera because we take like, we set it in a tree and unless we cut all the limbs out of the way, every time the wind blows, we get a picture. So we got like, one time we had 12,000 pictures, 13,000 pictures to look through. So, you know, and and it's the same picture every time until some, some shop shows up. So we do get a lot of pictures to look through. And that's good. It's good that you're thorough. Well, and now we, uh, we set our cameras up, two of them, one on top of each other. And then we put one on video and one on camera, so we can get both. We started doing that about two years ago, maybe three. And our camera, we've been in the same tree for 10 years now almost. We're going to put them out again this year. So within a couple more years, we'll have some good pictures stashed away. They don't miss. They seem to always catch them. Hmm. Well, great. You guys are doing it right. I, I really applaud your method, and I think that's great to have one for video and one for still pictures. I think that's a really good idea. Well, we are in the last few minutes of the show, guys. So, is there anything else you'd you'd like us to know in the in the last few moments? That's a tough one. There, keep your eyes on the ground. That's where they're at. Go to every big pine tree and look on the ground. Every big one. And our key is a, a creek. Every creek has a family on it. And we can you can Google it and see the trails. You know, the trails are so big. You look on Google Earth, you can see them. So you can do you can free scout with Google Earth and then know what you're going into. And or think you know. <laughs> it's easy to get lost out there too, man. I, it's I, easier I, to see things that you think you can get to that are further than you think. Yeah, on Google Earth it sure is. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I have experience with that because uh, I was looking for property out here before I ever came out here, and uh, and I found some stuff on online, and the satellite pictures looked like it was no big deal. But then when I got out here and actually checked out the property, it was like on a sheer cliffside. So, so it, things on when you see something online from a satellite picture, it can definitely look a lot easier than it is in person. And you better be in good shape if you're going to follow them, because they can move. Boy, that is true. They are, yeah, they are very athletic. And, uh, well, I mean, there really is no catching up with a Sasquatch. But, um, yeah, if you want to do the investigation, then it certainly does help to be in shape, that's for sure. That's just to get there. And the thing is, it's always uphill. and ain't never downhill. And when you do get there, you're going to be so tired. If he wants you, you might as well give yourself to him. Yeah. Because you ain't running. That's true. I dropped 10 pounds in one trip. It was raining and hot, and we had our rain gear on, and I was we sweated the whole way, and I was trying to lose some weight. I got on the scale, and we got home, and I dropped 10 pounds. We, we hiked for like eight hours, though. Man, that's a that's a good way to lose some quick weight. You must have uh, sweated out some water weight. You know it. This constant sweat. I was, I was wetter in the rain gear than I would have been without it. And all the weight I lost was blood. 
I got chopped up by every bush I walked by. Yeah, it's uh, it's gnarly tracking down Sasquatches in there on their turf. Yeah, we got tore up with poison oak too. Oh yeah. <laughs> Poison oak and ticks are the two worst things about squatching, in my opinion, especially in an area like this one. Yep, they're already out this year. Early spring and early ticks. Yeah, Larry was telling me about that recently, because uh, because uh, in your area they 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 seem to be particularly active. And uh, w- when I was living in Klamath River, they, I, they just I couldn't walk out, I couldn't step outside my home without getting ticks all over me. Actually, we never got a single nip in the last couple of trips. It's been pretty clean. Hmm. We see, we seen a deer in Happy Cat run out of the hotel there, and he had so many ticks, he looked like he was decorated like a Christmas tree. There was like the size of Christmas balls hanging on him. Oh, God. I know it was it was terrible. Yeah, well, that, that's that's unfortunate. I don't I don't like seeing animals uh, suffering like that, and I sure as hell hate ticks. So, but at least we as humans can do something about it. I think this is going to be a good year. They're not too bad so far. Yeah, it was about 10 years ago we seen that, but I can't forget it. <laughs> he was in town at Happy Camp. Yeah, right in the middle of the city. Yikes. He went crazy. Tick fever. You know the road there at Happy Camp, they call Grayback? Mm-hmm. You know why it's called Grayback, huh? No. Because of Bigfoot, Grayback. Ah. That's the main highway to go to Oregon. If you go to Happy Camp, take a right, go up the mountain, that's called the Grayback. And it goes all the way to Oregon. And it's named Grayback because an old-timer was there and ran into Bigfoot. Really? I didn't know that that's how it got its name. Where, where did you come across this? Uh, old books. I read a lot of old stuff about the history here. And this is an old guy that used to, uh, he worked for somebody, and he was take a trailer and travel here and there for him. And on the Grayback there, they tore his trailer up. And that's how it got its reputation, as being Grayback. I see. And it just grew from there. That's what he said when his trailer was tore up. He said, no, nah, I know why it's called Grayback. So does the, the word Grayback itself come from a description of the Sasquatch that had a gray back? Or what, what's the Grayback? Yeah. Oh, okay. Most of, most of the ones that run in the tribe do have a Grayback. The older ones, like my big white one's got a big white stripe across his chest and a little zigzag on his back. Oh. And it looked like they might have male pattern baldness, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've wondered about that. Um, tell, tell me more about that. Yeah, I got an old one in the camera that snuck in, and you could tell when he come in, he's all crouched over, looking over his shoulder behind him, and he's got a really bad receding hairline, and he looks a little thin. He's not really big like the other guys, and I believe he's sneaking in to get something to eat without getting a butt whooping. And that kind of makes me think they ain't too friendly when they do that to each other. They're tribal. They don't, if if you're not in the family, you, they ain't friendly, they, you know. They're, they're seven or eight is about the biggest their group's going to get. They don't hang out with each other. Two two adult males cannot exist in the same spot. They like the same thing too much. That same thing being? Being your girlfriends, your food, your water. It don't matter. They're stingy. Right, right, of course. They wouldn't give me a piece of fruit to save my life. When we noticed when we were eating over there, because it's, it's an old farm uh, homestead, and there's just grapes over the whole thing. And he's got fruit trees, figs, blackberries, so we could go over there and, without taking a lunch and eat. And wherever we would eat, the next day you could draw like a 20-foot circle and there wouldn't be a piece of fruit in that 20-foot circle. Wherever we stood and ate, they could smell us and then they would eat all the fruit. Everything. And every day we'd have to find a new spot to eat. And they, they loved them grapes. Territorial as heck. They were trying to tell us without us knowing they were there. They, they never want you to know they're there, though. They're so, so secretive. They hope you'll take a hint. 
Yeah, actually, I've experienced that myself. Very subtle communication that uh, that doesn't reveal their presence, that doesn't reveal them in any way, but that is a very clear but subtle communication. I've experienced those as well. Well, guys, I'm glad you guys are out there uh, looking into things. I'm excited. I'm excited for what's coming this year. Um, I think a lot is coming this year and, and for a lot of people. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited that, that you're going to be out there. I'm excited that we're all getting out there and doing some squatching. Now you know where we're at. Oh, I sure do. And, uh, I'm going to be coming out there with you guys and we're going to be, uh, there's, there's a lot coming up. There's a lot coming up. So I'm, I'm excited. We got a pretty good place we could walk, but we can't, like I said, get there in one day unless you start at the top and go down. And it's, if you leave your truck or whatever behind, you got to come back for it. So we got to figure a way to get to the bottom and drive away. I think we might be able to make it in one day if we just went down. Yeah, uphill is a bitch. So if you guys are figuring it out, then that's great. Like, if we if you can figure out how to make it in and out in a day, then perfect. It's been an enlightening conversation. I'm glad you guys have, have shared your experiences with us. Red and H, thank you so much for joining me today on Type 471. Enjoyed it. You're welcome, Sam. All right. See you around the river. If you would like to be privy, to the reckoning in consciousness that is Type 471. Go immediately to your preferred podcast platform and follow the show. Rate Type 471. Give it as many or as few stars as you believe it deserves. Say your piece in the comments and share Type 471 with other people, like-minded people, people like you, who can hear in my voice that I am deadly serious about delivering wondrous truths to you. So if you believe in what I'm attempting to do, make sure everybody knows just how you feel about Type 471. Finally, to share your own wondrous experiences with me, email me at type471podcast at gmail.com. There's a lot of exciting stuff coming up, folks, so keep paying attention. I'm Sam Kitchen. Thanks for listening to Type 471. Northern California and Southern Oregon's preferred provider of homegrown unknown. You be well, dear listener. I will speak to you next week.